Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, History's Top 3, brought to you by the History Department of the United States Naval Academy, located in Annapolis, Maryland. In this show, we'll discuss and debate some of the key turning points, trends, and major figures of world history. Our goal is to explore the varied landscapes and seascapes of the past, in hope of shedding some light on how the present world came to be. In the studio today, again, are our three co-hosts, Professor Ernie Tucker, Professor Lori Bogle, and Lieutenant Commander Andy Cox. We're all instructors and lifelong students of history, and today we're continuing our discussion on the top three most influential American women of the 20th century. Last episode, we discussed our six nominees. Today, we're going to continue with three more nominees, and then we will debate down to who belongs truly in the top three. Ernie, if you would, who's your final nominee? Thanks so much, Andy. My final nominee for this amazing competition is Jane Addams. Jane Addams was the first American woman to receive the Nobel Peace Prize in 1931 for her pivotal work in social reform in American cities. In 1889, she founded Hull House, a prototypical settlement house in Chicago that was inhabited by a group of crusading progressive women who created facilities for the urban poor that eventually grew into a 13-building complex visited every week by over 2,000 people. It featured a clinic to offer medical treatment to the underprivileged, as well as a night school, a public kitchen, an art gallery, a gym, a girls' club, a bathhouse, a book bindery, a music school, and a theater, and even an employment bureau. Its adult night school became a model of continuing education classes, now offered by many places in America. Jane Addams did not neglect either to create an art program to promote independent thinking and creativity. For Adams, art education was the crucial way to tap the diversity of the great city through the ways it fostered collective action, self-discovery, recreation, and the imagination. In her view, art helped disrupt fixed ideas and stimulate the diversity on which a healthy society depended. Adams established there her settlement house, a branch of the Chicago Public Library, and also created an art gallery that featured recreations of famous pieces of art as well as works by local artists. Not only a progressive reformer, Adams also had a major academic reputation as a founder of the modern academic discipline of sociology, which she and her associates helped create at the University of Chicago. For all of her achievements and her social impact across the globe in progressive reform movements, she was the first American woman to be awarded the Nobel Prize. You know, Jane Addams is one of the most iconic, easily recalled names of the progressive era I can think of. And it's amazing to hear how she was so foundational, not just to like the social welfare movements of Hull House, but also things like modern sociology and such. Incredible, really. And, uh, you know, uh, the second city, uh, always wondering where it stands vis-a-vis New York. You know, she's really, truly a daughter of Chicago in that regard. Ernie, the progressives are a difficult group to define, and historians really struggle with that. And one of the debates on is over what motivated them. And the historiographical debate is broken down between were they motivated by social control, wanting to make reforms in order that they could control these new immigrants and make them behave in the ways they wanted them to, or were they primarily motivated by social justice and trying to help the underclass? Yeah, that's a great question, Laurie, and that and that. Thank you for centering it right within the historiographical debate that is really about her. 
I guess my I have to imagine you know we're able to have met Jane Addams, which I couldn't have done since she died in 1935. But could I have done that? You know, she seems like a woman who had so many irons in the fire, so to speak, so many fantastic projects that she was helping other men and women to create in this giant community of hers, that I would have to imagine that she was really more interested in, the, in, in, in lifting up everyone in that sense. It's, you know, her, 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 her appeal was so kind of dynamic and so eclectic that I think that that, that for me, answers that question. However, the question could still be raised about her. Was she doing it, you know, to help people or to help the society more and to place people, which is, of course, the, the argument that's made. But it's a, it's a very good question. And another interesting fact about her is that uh, the time period of the Progressive Era is very manliness-focused, mm -hmm. but yet Theodore Roosevelt and other male progressives look to her for advice. Mm -hmm. So she's fascinating. Yeah, and I think she brings, you know, uh, you know, this 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 multitude of of different aspects. This idea of creativity and art, which has become such a a major part of modern education, and so much debate about the importance of it. I think she she really brings that to the fore. Lori, who's your final nominee? I struggled a bit with my third nomination because I wanted to pick Maya Angelou. And the reason it made me struggle is that it's very hard to be object objective about a person when they have just recently died. And she died in 2014. And I wonder if some of the influence of the celebration of her life might have an impact on me. Having said that, however, I think she is well-deserving to be considered. Maya Angelou was an amazing intellect and a jack-of-all-trades. She was an author, a playwright, a poet a dancer, a singer, a director of a movie, an academic, of course, and also a civil rights activist who worked with both Martin Luther King Jr. and later in his life, Malcolm X, shortly before his assassination and when he was in his less radical stage. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama and is probably best known, however, for her friendship with Oprah Winfrey, and she was featured quite often on her TV show. But her designation as one of the most influential women really comes from her seven autobiographies. She was working on her eighth autobiography when she died. It is her first autobiography, though, which covers her life from birth to the age of 17 that really brought her up to the forefront of national uh, awareness and gives her this honor, I believe, in many ways. Her book, uh, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, was written in 1969, and it takes her life, as I said, up to the age of 17. So what's so important about this book? Scholars have claimed, I personally am not a, a literary scholar, but uh, from my reading, uh, scholars claim that she is the first black woman to write publicly about her life as a black person and without apology, that the main character of her, her, her work is of herself and not to apologize for it. And in it, she describes a violent rape that occurred when she was eight years old by a relative of uh, a relative's boyfriend that came over. She named the man who had raped her, and that man was arrested, but he was released on bond, and he was murdered shortly after being released. At eight years old, in her eight-year-old mind, she took it that her voice had killed this man, the fact that she had named him. 
So she stopped speaking for five years, didn't say a word to a single person, attended school, did everything. They didn't think there was anything wrong with her mentally, but emotionally they thought that was why she wasn't speaking, which was the truth. But what she does in those five years is amazing, and that's what this autobiography brings out. She turns the story of victimhood into a positive. She immersed herself in her local library and memorized great works of literature, including Shakespeare. Word for word, she could repeat it. And when she did begin speaking again at 13, she had plenty to say. Now, what's really important about this book is its emotional candidness. And it helped Oprah Winfrey and other rape victims take control of their narratives to become influential women as well. Therefore, I believe she deserves to be remembered. That's quite a story, especially for one so young and who had so much more of her life in front of her. Um, would you say her greatest accomplishments were tied more with those civil rights movement figures like Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, or is it more of the cultural accomplishments that make Maya Angelou so influential? Very few people even are aware that she worked in the civil rights movement. I know They note her work as supporting civil rights, of course, but it's more about her contribution to uh, her literary contribution that they remembered. So I would say it was important work, but it's not of the same recognition as other civil rights activists. You know, it's, it's striking to hear you uh, make this case for her at this time in, in our history. And I think it's so compelling, uh, her, her own personal story fit into this whole set of stories and conversations that we're now having in this country. Um, and I wonder if you could comment on you know, Maya Angelou obviously passed in 2014, but her, but the impact of those words is is resonating more and more intensely. And just, and I refer to the whole Black Lives Matter discussion and many many other things. If you can, sort of contextualize her in 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 the current uh, scene. I think she was above politics in many ways, and that while she would be supportive of any group that was arguing for better treatment of individuals. She wouldn't be limited by them as well. She transcended human movements in a way. Uh, she's almost spiritual in her connection to people. For my third nomination, when I first started thinking about the most influential or important American women, my mind immediately went to the realm of politics and civil rights and feminist struggles. But obviously not all of the great 20th century influential women are marching or on picket lines. Um, and as, Lori, you just mentioned with your last nomination, some made history by changing minds through culture, or in this case, changing industries around inclusion and their talent. And for that, I nominate Lucille Ball, an American actress and comedic pioneer, but also a shrewd businesswoman who broke barriers for women in entertainment and television. Ball's love for the dramatic arts from childhood drove her interest to Hollywood in the early 1930s, despite repeatedly being told she didn't have enough talent. Through many small roles in many movies, she eventually met and quickly married Desi Arnaz, a Cuban-American actor, and the two quickly became an industry power couple after their smash hit television show, I Love Lucy, which premiered in 1951. This show made Ball one of the most well-known and adored figures in television history and won five Emmys. Ball's importance goes beyond mere acting, however, because she also produced Lucy and used its success to start her own company, Desilu Productions. Desilu went on to create other hit television shows like The Dick Van Dyke Show and Mission Impossible and Star Trek. 
As the first woman to own a major studio, her leadership, influence, and behind-the-scenes work transformed the way the entertainment industry created and produced TV shows, from everything such as using three cameras to taping in front of a live audience. She was very mindful about how she would portray herself to millions of American women, and she used her funny, zany, slapstick character as a form of resistance of being dependent on her husband, and this pushed women into physical comedy with massive effects on American culture. She also mentored the next generation of female comedians, people such as Carol Burnett and Mary Tyler Moore, about the road she paved with her talent and her business savvy. Ball was the first female inductee into the Television Academy's Hall of Fame, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and a Lifetime Achievement Citation from the Kennedy Center from the Performing Arts, all awarded posthumously. Well, Andy, it seems to me that at the, for her time period, she was considered to be almost subversive in her feminism, right? Uh, almost progressive feminist in some ways. But has that, has I Love Lucy held up over time? Oh, man. Um... I think there's definitely conversation by this point, this far removed from the 1950s, that looks back at I Love Lucy as much more of the 1950s conservative milieu. But I think it's also important then to talk about Lucille Ball in this case, on like how much against the grain and how, how revolutionary her leadership and talent was in this industry. And how, like, we, she paved the road, literally, for other female comedians and actors to follow behind her. Yeah, Andy, I think that's an incredible discussion about her. And I, th I love the way you tie her into the studio. I think it's also, uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more your thoughts on, you know, Desi Arnaz and the role that Lucille Ball played in establishing, really, for the first time before the American public, uh, a, a sort of Hispanic figure uh, who is who is who is beloved, you know, and this is this is something quite new for American audiences and the American public. Indeed, and when they first pitched the show I Love Lucy to CBS, the producers weren't going for it, and they basically had to create a vaudeville show together and take it on circuit through the U.S. And when it received such overwhelming support, they then went back to CBS and said, "See, we can do this." And the producers were basically convinced at that point. It's true that Lucille was an advocate for diversity in quite a few contexts, but she was also a shrewd enough businesswoman to know like where to push to be a pioneer and where to acclimatize at times to 1950s culture in order to maintain the creative and business control she did over Desilu. She understood the limits. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we have nine nominees, and now it's the point in the show where we debate and discuss who should remain in the top three. And this is pretty tough, so I'm open to hearing what you guys think. Well, I think we should eliminate Lucille Ball immediately, Andy. <laughs> and the reason for that is despite her influence for her time, and, and the fact that these episodes are being shown today shows that it ha has carried over and modern day people are watching her episodes. Yet, the fact that in her episodes, her, hun her husband punishes her by taking away her allowance and she whines and cries, it makes the influence more temporary than lasting. I think I could agree with that. Uh, I think 
the greater influence of Lucille Ball is in her opening the doors for others in art and in business, but in her specific art, in this case, in I Love Lucy, it was definitely of its time. I would agree with that. I would also be willing to offer on the chopping block one of my nominees, Amelia Earhart. As pioneering as she was and as amazing as she was, I don't think we can say she personally herself had the impact that these other women did. Not that she didn't have an impact. These All these women had an impact. But I would say her impact was limited, if only just because of her, her prematurely life that was prematurely cut short. I agree. As, as impressive as her accomplishments were, I feel like Earhart's real cultural power comes after her death and disappearance, unfortunately. Lori, I have a question for you because you had two founding important members of modern feminism in yours, and I wonder if you would rank one more important than the other between Sanger and Friedan. Oh, absolutely. I was getting ready to offer someone on the cutting block as for saying Betty Friedan. I mean, personally, I find her very influential, but she is limited to white middle-class women. Her influence is a narrow focus. And while the book is still important in many ways, it's not speaking to the, the larger world in the way you would hope whereas Margaret Sanger does. Uh, Margaret Sanger, she also reached out to an international audience with her message of birth control. Uh, we can feel the effects to this day. It was for all races, not just for whites, and so I think she's definitely more influential. I wonder if I could push on this just a little bit. Um, one could argue, let's say, that while Sanger's early activism was very important on this issue. Betty Friedan, not alone, obviously, with Gloria Steinem and many other figures, but Betty Friedan's moment with that book and afterward ignites modern feminism in a way. How do you... But not for black women. True. It is limited. Yeah. Um, how does Sanger overcome the ignition of a, of a modern movement like that? Why is Sanger's contribution more important? Because without Margaret Sanger's contribution or someone like her that stepped into her place, women wouldn't have the opportunity to be influential because they can control when they have children, they, it opens up opportunities. So there's things wrong with each one of the people. Everyone is a imperfect person. We are, each one of us, an imperfect person. But as far as lasting influence for change, if that's how we're defining influence, uh, Margaret Sanger is the beginning, in many ways, of everything to do with feminism that comes after. I want to make a case, Laurie, for your third nominee, uh, Maya Angelou. I think that you can make a case, at least, that Maya Angelou somehow transcends a lot of these other uh, wonderful women in just the, the, the kind of universality of her human connection that she makes. Uh, really remarkable. I, too, am a great... Uh, great fan of her work, and I just, I just want to make a make a little a plug for her as a certainly in in the top, very top echelon of my of my list. And I agree with you, but I think if twenty years had gone by and we were having this this discussion, we would see the lasting influence more. My only uh, hesitation on making her one of the top three is the fact that. We're in her moment right now, so it may overshadow. If we wanted to go by who, what women are the most influential today, we would have to say the Kardashians, wouldn't we? Well, I guess in it some depends. Ways. I guess that depends in part on what you'd consider influential. But that's that's a really good point. Like for me, when I when we started on this assignment, I start I decided to treat influential as different from iconic, 
or just important. For instance, like Rosa Parks is very important and iconic to the civil rights movement, but for my in my mind, she was not as influential as say Martin Luther King or Dorothy Height or some of these others were. Um, so I'm going to make a pitch for one of mine and say Rachel Carson deserves to be in the top three because not only was she important and iconic, and, and she is iconic of the modern environmentalist movement, she basically starts this and pulls all these disparate and elements together and is influential both in her moment and after her death. I agree that she should be in the top three. What she wrote, The Silent Spring, is still one of the definitive books on environmental history and environmental issues. Well, do we have, are we starting to get sort of a consensus here? I heard Rachel Carson, I heard Margaret Sanger, and who else would we put as our third top three nominee? I think our third should be Helen Keller. Despite some issues with her attitude about infanticide, she inspired better treatment of handicapped people everywhere. And I have a personal connection to that as well. Uh, my sister is mentally retarded, and I look to Helen Keller as an inspiration for why my sister can live in a home with some assisted living, but without people like Helen Keller, that wouldn't have happened. I think Helen Keller is a, is a great choice, too. I think, in a way, this combines Andy's iconic, but also making a contribution. You, you kind of check both boxes. I think that also works for Rachel Carson very easily. Sounds like we're in agreement. Well, at the end of the day, after a lot of hard consideration, and this one was tough, we settled on the top three most influential American women of the 20th century, Rachel Carson, Helen Keller, and Margaret Sanger. There's plenty more to debate on this topic, but we'll save that for another time, perhaps over a round of beers between friends. We hope we've inspired you to learn more about some of these historical figures and their causes for yourself. From all of us here at the Naval Academy, thanks for tuning in to History's Top 3. This has been a production of the History Department at the U.S. Naval Academy, located in Annapolis, Maryland. If you enjoy our programs, please let us know as we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at USNA History. And our email is historyproductions-group at usna.edu. For more information about the History Department at the Naval Academy, please visit usna.edu history.